0: You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Harvest Bible Chapel in Chicago. Welcome to our series through the book of 1 Corinthians. We're calling it Dirty Church. I want to invite you to grab your Bible, turn to the book of 1 Corinthians, and get ready to study God's Word together. Appreciate it. It's good to see you. How are you? Good. Um, You're going to need to open a Bible, and you need to turn it to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians um, chapter 12. We're continuing our series that we're calling Dirty Church Part 2. We began the book of 1 Corinthians over a year ago, and we're going to finish it out this time around as we go through Easter, and then a little bit after that, um, we're going to see how Paul wrote this book, and it's focused on churches, quite honestly, a lot like ours. I would probably say that the church in the United States is about as Corinthian as it gets these days. And I'm sure you've noticed that as we walk through it. You've seen all sorts of things in these passages that seem to describe the church in the United States. Um, I've been watching a bit of baseball recently. Uh, my son plays baseball. He's playing for a university university who just happens to be the best team in the country. And, uh, I mean, I'm not, but they are the best. They just won today uh, 26 to 4. So they're they're a good team. I've noticed, though, over the years in baseball, just like every other subculture or sport, um, there is a hierarchy in every one of the sports based upon the abilities that the kids have. So in other words, who, who are the coolest kids in in the baseball world, particularly in the pitching world? Well, I, I would say at the very top, the coolest kid on every team is always the one who throws the hardest. So my son's team has got a guy who throws 101 miles per hour, and that's all the commentators ever talk about. I mean, he's a fantastic pitcher, but there are other guys on the team who are pretty much just as good, but nobody else throws 101 miles per hour, right? Chicks dig the fastball, apparently. So he's the top of the, he's, he's the, top of the, of the hierarchy. Uh, velocity is the most important thing for so many. Um, after that, so once you get past the guy who throws really hard, who's the next coolest pitcher, it would probably be somebody who's got what we, a, a breaking ball, and in baseball parlance, we call that a filthy breaking ball. Uh, because I guess it's dirty or something, but it, it is the kind of breaking ball that when you throw it, it just it starts straight, and then eventually somewhere halfway down, it just goes away from the hitters, and you, with a breaking ball, you can make a hitter look dumb, right? You can actually have them swing and fall down, and that, of course, makes you really, not as cool as the fastball guy, but pretty cool, okay? Way down here, then, is uh, the, probably the, per, the person who gets out, that's great, but they don't throw hard and they don't have really good stuff. They don't have really good um, off-speed pitches or curveballs or anything like that. Now, they might get as many people out as the, uh, the top guy, but they just, nobody wants the girls don't want to date them, right, because they don't have the power arm and that kind of thing. You've probably noticed in every realm of society that we have these hierarchies based upon certain things. Even in the church... And by church, I kind of mean Christendom here. Like, okay, so who are the coolest Christians? Well, see if, see if you, you agree with my, my hierarchy. I've been around the Christian church for long enough that I, th- I think I might know. Uh, at the very top are the missionaries. Amen? They're, they're like, I, listen, I'm not moving. I'm not moving there. But the person who's willing to move there and like have one light in their house and a, a ditch running through the middle of their uh, of their front yard and they're able to preach the gospel or translate the Bible or those sorts of things, at the threat in many cases of death. I mean, they're 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 up there. They're the most committed, the most spiritual <clears throat> Christians. R- right below them are like elders and pastors right no and but within the elder and pastor framework there are certain pastors that are cooler than others right so the preaching pastor okay thank you and then and then you have the worship guy because he's got to be committed to Jesus because he always acts like he's like just right in the mood all the time uh The care guys, because, of course, they're called pastors. They have to show pastoral care. So the ones who are really nice and visit the hospital or do your wedding and those kinds of stuff. Below them are the administrators, because we can't really have church without pastors who kind of are administrative and keep things functioning properly. And then way, 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 way down here are the youth guys. So you have missionaries and you've got pastors, and there's a hierarchy for the pastors on who's like the most spiritual. And then after that, you have in some churches things called deacons, who are the people who aren't doing elder work, but they're doing kind of more of the practical ministry stuff. You know, they're making sure the building is taken care of and all that sort of thing. But they're still, still an office in the church, and so they're still considered pretty, you know, pretty spiritual compared to the next person down, just your church member. But church members are still pretty spiritual because they're committing themselves to the local church and the, all, all that goes on there. And then right below them are the, are the regular attenders, right? Because they're people who maybe you don't want to commit in terms of membership, but you, you, you attend pretty regularly and, and you you know, maybe give to the church. You're pretty spiritual. And then below that are like if you come to Easter and to Christmas, then that's, your, that's, that's where you are. Now, listen, I'm not endorsing any of that. Except for the pastor preaching guy. I'm not endorsing any of that. What I'm saying is that within our churches, we instinctively have an understanding of who kind of is the most committed and spiritual and who God's most showing up in. Which means that we're just like the Corinthians, (laughs) because they had that too. The difference for them is that they were like, okay, so the most spiritual people are the ones who demonstrate the showiest gifts. So if you can do something, you know, a little crazy with the God, with your God inspiring it, now that is a spiritual person. And this is the issue that Paul's dealing with the Corinthians. So they've they've kind of got an elitist categories. And the, the very top are those who show the showiest gifts or the most spiritual people around. So everyone in the church should be pining to have the showiest gifts. The gifts that are obvious that God is working in them. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, we start his discussion into this. And what we're going to do in 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11, is I, I'm going to try to ask and answer this, this question. How should we understand the use of spiritual gifts in the church? And this is sort of a, a broad kind of preliminary introduction to the subject. Uh, these are highly thought about things. So if you want to see me like, really struggle over the next few weeks to avoid any, any emails, come, come every week. And, and I will try my best to, to navigate through this without offending anyone, although I probably will offend everyone because I really don't care. So, So. number one, so there are three principles that we learn regarding the use of spiritual gifts in the church. Number one, we are all spiritual. We, everybody who puts their faith in Jesus Christ, are all spiritual. Spiritual Christians. Okay, follow me. So we're starting a new subject, says the Apostle Paul. Now concerning. That's how he starts a new subject. He's been trying to interact with this letter and these reports he's gotten about the Corinthians. And he's like, okay, on to a new subject. You guys seem to be having difficulty with spiritual gifts. What are we talking about? Well, um... Literally, in Greek, they're called grace gifts because they're gifts that God gives out of his grace. You, you don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. But God gives us gifts out of his grace. And everyone has one. Every Christian has one or two or three. But they're, they're all different for the most part. I mean, you might have the same gift as somebody over here. But generally speaking, in a room full of Christian people, you have a wide variety of giftedness. Now spiritual gifting is usually an exaggerated ability in a particular area okay so it's not like oh I'm gifted in teaching and you're like well I can teach too and I'd I'd be like yeah you absolutely can teach but somebody gifted in teaching either does it more easily, or they do it in a way that's more engaging or more edifying for the, for the body. I would say the same thing. Somebody who's gifted in administration, like, they get really excited about their spreadsheets. Whereas someone like me, I'm like, oh, my gosh, where do I throw up for the spreadsheet? But if you ask me, Jeff, can you organize this event and use a spreadsheet? Yes, I can. So it's not that everyone can't teach. Yes, everyone could teach. And it's not that everyone couldn't organize. Yes, everyone could organize. And it's not that everyone can't do evangelism. In fact, we should all be doing evangelism. But there are certain people who have a particular ability in that area that exceeds everybody else. And they're gifted. By God. For that work. Sometimes, though, it's a gift that nobody else has there's a few gifts that are like that the gift of speaking in tongues for example is not something everybody has but it is a gift that according to Paul is something that that some have that others do not so most of them are just exaggerated abilities that everyone kind of can do and then some are just plain gifts that that someone has that others do not those are the ones that the Corinthians are particularly excited about right because if I've got something I'm able to do, and you can't do it, that, and, and I got it from God, uh, God likes me better. I, I'm more spiritual. The Lord is more active in my life. And those are the things that, he, that they were really, really focused on. Now, Jesus has all the gifts. Yes? Jesus has all the gifts. But we, note the language, his body corporately have all the gifts that Jesus does so if you say oh did Jesus have the gift of evangelism yes did Jesus have the gift of ministry yes did Jesus have the gift did Jesus have the gift did Jesus have the gift? yeah all of them but what he's done then is he said right in my absence the spirit is now going to use all of the giftedness that is in me and he's going to deploy it in all of you so we corporately together continue the ministry of Jesus as his body Spiritual gifts. So concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I, I don't want you to be uninformed. I'm about to lay some knowledge on you. You know, Corinthians, that when you were pagans, you were, you were led astray to mute idol, idols, however you were led. Now, a little bit of history. and The city of Corinth was a very Greek city, and the city of Corinth had all sorts of temples on every hill. To all sorts of different deities. Most of the time. You would worship these gods or goddesses. By going and sacrificing something. Or you'd go and and, and you'd parts Actually there's terrible things. You'd go and visit a temple prostitute. Or you'd do something. In order to worship the God. You'd eat a meal together. You know in, in honor of the God. But one of the big things that you would do. Is most of the religions then. They would do processionals. A processional is uh, when we all go, it's like a parade. We all line up behind the, the priest or whatever, and we walk down the middle of the street. And most of the, most of the religions in those days, the way that the God would show up is through the worshiper. And you say, well, how would I know that the God is showing up through the worshiper? Because they get a little Crazy. Especially the way they talk. A God will come in and he will make you ecstatic. And the more ecstatic you are and the more babbling you are and the more, you know, all over the place you are, the more connected you are to the deity. And all your friends look around and go, whoa, he's really, God is really into this guy. You know, that's the most spiritual So in their pagan past, this is how you determine somebody was spiritual, is if especially they had the ability to speak in ecstatic words. They were the highest of the spiritual people. And what they had done is they had carried this understanding into the church. And they've been saying, cool. So the most spiritual people in our church now are the people who speak in this babbling language or they're the the people who can show out. The spirits move inside of them, right? can heal people and get words of wisdom and knowledge. Those are the most spiritual people around. And Paul starts by saying, yeah, you guys got that from your pagan days. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God... You want to test for whether or not somebody's speaking the Spirit of God? No one ever says Jesus is a curse. That word is used almost always in the Bible uh, in the mouths of Jewish people. You remember the Apostle Paul? Uh, What made Paul spiritual before he came to faith in Christ? Those of you guys who know your Bible. Well, uh, he had a zeal for the law. How did you know Paul had a zeal for the law? Well, he was trying to chase down Christians and kill them. And if you would come up to Paul in those days and you asked Paul, why are you trying to chase down Christians and kill them? He would say, because Jesus is accursed. In fact, if you're in that Jewish realm and you want to be at the highest, you know, on the highest level in terms of spirituality, you don't just obey the law. You obey the law and you have a zeal against blasphemy, especially when someone claims that the Messiah has come and you don't think that they have. So Paul's like, okay, there are some people around who, who you might think the Spirit of God is in, right? These Jewish people who the Holy Spirit was involved with in all these years gone by. But if they say Jesus is a curse, which is what many Jews said in denying Christ, the Spirit of God is not with them. Well, who is the Spirit of God with? Well, no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the holy spirit so so the test that somebody is spiritual is that they make the basic complete pronouncement that Jesus alone is lord Or in other words, Paul's basically saying, listen, nobody can do this. Nobody can say this and mean it. You know, Jesus is Lord and bank their lives on it and give full allegiance to Jesus unless the Holy Spirit has done something in them to make them say it. Uh, There's a passage, actually, in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 that explains to us, okay, so how is somebody saved? If you confess with your mouth that what? Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that's the basic Christian pronouncement. He, he, he is Lord. And the, Paul says the only way for you to make that pronouncement is if the Spirit of God was active in your life to, to give it to you. Uh, there were a lot of years ago that uh, I, I took some preaching classes when I was in seminary, and it was a story. I think it was one of those like urban myths about the seminary that the preaching professors used to show up, and they used to go on field trips with some of the, some of the, uh, the students in years gone by. Like, I don't know if it was true or not, but the, the field trip they took was actually to the cemetery, And and supposedly the old preaching professors would take each one of the students and stand them in front of a tombstone and they would say to the students, all right, start preaching. And everybody would be awkward and like, what is this about? And they'd be going for it for about a minute and then the, the professor would stop and say, all right, the Bible says that those who are apart from Christ are dead in their transgressions and sins and blinded. By the God of this age. Every time you open your mouth and you proclaim the gospel to people out in the world who do not believe in the Lord Jesus, they are dead and they are blind. How will dead and blind people listen to you? He would say to the students. And the students would go, I don't know. And the answer? They need God to move. They need the Holy Spirit to reach into their hearts and to do for them what he did to Lydia when Paul speaks, when Paul preaches uh, to, to the Philippians on the side of the, the river there. And he, Lydia is sitting there and it says that God opened her heart that she might listen to what Paul said. How, how, do you, how do you get saved? Well, yeah, you have to confess. But prior to the confession, you need the Holy Spirit to move in your heart, to open your heart so that Jesus becomes magnificent. You were blind to it before, but now he's magnificent. And you say, I want that. But prior to that, you were like, I don't even know what I'm looking at. So you know that somebody is a true spiritual Christian if they can confess Jesus is indeed Lord. It's evidence that the Holy Spirit is working inside of them. This is really important. I want to pause for just a a second because this is a really important thing for us to recognize, okay? Here's why. If you spend enough time around uh, the Christian church, you will learn that there are certain viewpoints that people have on how should you live the Christian life or what should you expect from the Christian life, okay? You come to faith in Jesus. And then you kind of kind of like you were before, you know, morally speaking. And, and you can continue that way for a whole long time, but that, you, that you're going to be living this kind of low-level, normal experience. And by normal, I mean like, meh, boring, right? Meh. What you need, say those who hold this viewpoint, and many do, you need something to happen after salvation, after you profess Jesus as Lord, You need something that will lift you up to this higher plane. And on this higher plane, we say that you're a spiritual Christian. You see, there's two tiers. There's spiritual Christians, and then there's the normal meh sort of Christians. So you need to have this experience. You say, what is this experience right here? Well, it could be a lot of things, depending on the church. Some churches say, well, you need to to have a special baptism in the Holy Spirit so that you can speak in tongues. And that means that you're a spiritual Christian. Other people say, no, you need to come to the end of yourself. And you need to surrender everything to the Lord. So here, yes, you believe in Jesus. But here on the spiritual plane, you have surrendered everything to the Lord. Opened your hands and just given him everything. And now, now, you're a spiritual Christian. Uh, other people will argue, you know, you're an, you are, you are as a Christian, un, still under demonic oppression. And because you're under demonic oppression, we've got to deal with the demons who are oppressing you. And so, yes, you come to faith in Christ, but there's still demons oppressing you. And so we need to send you through deliverance ministry so that you can lead, lead the spiritual Christian life. So it can be a spiritual... Christian, you hear the language though. The idea is the only way you can be a spiritual Christian is if you have a, a, another thing happen to you after salvation, after you confess Jesus is Lord. And Paul is saying, no, no. There aren't tears of Christians. If you are a Christian and you profess Jesus is Lord, you are spiritual. Because the Spirit is showing up in that profession. Look, you know, the way it actually works is uh, you come to faith in Christ. And then you start off walking in Jesus. And you're going for a while. And you're growing because you're like, this is amazing. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, I got around my other friends and stuff. And then you're like, oh, that was a bad idea. And you come back up. And then you go here. And then you go down here, because you started looking at things on the computer, and then you come back up here for a while, and then you're here, and then you're you're here, and you're here, oh my goodness, and then people die, and then you go. Now, you're like, if I look at a very narrow point in this, I'd be saying to myself, look, at this place right here, you are really not doing very well, but as a broader framework, what would I say? I would say that you are a spiritual Christian who God is working in, Will you have peaks, moments where you have great renewal and you think to yourself, this is the best, and you want to take all your friends to that pastor to hear them preach? Yes. God will use all sorts of things to renew you. Thank God for that. You'll get renewed, you'll get renewed, and then you'll fall a bit, and then you'll get renewed. But overall, you are the stock market. (laughs) This is what it looks like to be a normal... Slash spiritual Christian. And you say, well, isn't everyone who's a Christian that way? Yes. Yes. We are all spiritual. Second, uh, we're all gifted for good. We're all gifted for good. Look at uh, verse 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 with me. There are a varieties, uh, varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. So lots of different gifts in the body of Christ, but one Holy Spirit. There are varieties of service, It's another way of saying it, but the same Lord. This is a reference to Jesus. And there are varieties of activities, but... It is the same God. God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, Trinity. What's he saying? Well, he's saying, listen, listen, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, and God the Son all got together before the foundations of the world and decided that they were going to gift particular people with particular gifts and they were going to use those gifts to edify the community. It's not like the, the Spirit was over in the corner like... Here's how I'm going to do it. (laughs) No, they they were all involved. But it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. In fact, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit. Everyone has one. Why? So that we feel good about ourselves. So that we say to everyone, if you just saw my gift, hold on. Hold on, I'm going to let you see it just a second. So that you can go, oh my God, you're so spiritual. Is that why? No, manifestation of the spirit for what? The common good. To each is given a manifestation of the spirit, a gift. For the common good. So in other words, uh, the goal isn't my fame, or my importance because I have a particular gift. The goal is actually the edification and building up of others through my gift. So I just picture yourself at a, at an orchestra or a band. I don't care which one. You you've gone to listen to the band. Hey, this is a really good band slash orchestra. They've got a whole. They got trumpets. They got also drums. They got all the stuff. And you go and you listen, and they're playing some sort of baroque thing. Not broke, but ba- baroque. Like it's a music style. Anyway, so they're playing this thing. It's beautiful. And then all of a sudden, one dude in the middle, he's like, this is my moment. I've been waiting. I've been working on my trumpet the whole time. And he stands up, and he starts, you know, giving her Miles Davis. He's going for it, right? And everyone in the room is going, oh, my goodness, that's magnificent what he's doing. Does it match what everyone else is doing? No, not at all. He's just totally upstaged everything at this point. It's all about him. He goes off for a while, like you know Eddie Van Halen on the guitar. Some of you will know what that means. like a guitar solo, trumpet solo. And he finishes his trumpet solo, and everyone's like, ah, B.I. Trumpet. Afterwards, everyone wants this autograph. He goes to the back. And the director of the band slash orchestra comes up to him and says, you're amazing, man. Can I get your autograph? No. He said, what you did there is you turned your ability toward you. It was all about you. And in so doing, you destroyed the beauty of the whole. And Paul's basically making this point. Look, your gift is is not so you can stand up and show it off to everybody and they can think to themselves, now, that's a cool, cool Christian. Your gift exists for the benefit of the whole. It is to be used for the common good. If we choose to use it just for our own fame and importance instead of the good of the whole, everything, and I love this phrase, everything goes pear-shaped. You ever heard that phrase before? It's kind of a... British language. Everything goes pear-shaped. I love it because it's like it's supposed to be an apple, but then all of a sudden it goes pear-shaped. So in order for the thing to remain an apple and not go pear-shaped, everything needs to be contributing to the structure of the apple. Everything needs to be working together with a common goal of edifying everyone and not saying, check me out. That's, that's what needs to happen. We are all gifted for good. My parents, I remember, uh, some of you remember when you were kids, some of the worst holidays or worst vacations you ever took? Worst vacation ever took ended with me in the hospital with with a ruptured appendix, like seven hours from death. What happened before that, on our way to the place where my appendix ruptured, was that our, our big blue van, 1980s big blue van, it, it stopped working. We were towing our, a boat up to a, to, up to a lake three or four hours away in a very hot part of Washington State, and we got in the middle of nowhere, and the, our car broke down, and our boat was behind it, and we were all sitting on the side of the road not knowing what to do. Thank God my father is a AAA man. So he's on that, he's, okay, come and get us, the AAA. And the AAA comes, and you know, it gets this big guy in his overalls, Jack. You know, and he comes up and he starts winching the whole thing up. And now he's got to tow the, the van and the boat all the way back to his shop, which is, uh, doesn't look the most trustworthy of shops, right? The guys in there didn't look the most trustworthy. Anyway, so they're, they're like, well, we can fix it. We'll have a look at it. Well, we can fix it. But it's going to take like six hours. And we're in this town where there's nothing at all. Not even There's nothing there. So we're sitting there on the side of the road. I'm really thirsty. I'm drinking Pepsi, I remember. and my, The guy comes out from the thing. After about six hours, he comes out, and in his hand, he's got this little tiny filter. And he walks out, and he, <laughs> he sets it down on a rock right in front of all of our family. And he said, that is your problem. And my dad said, what is it? He said, that is a cajongle filter. I, do, I, I don't remember. I wouldn't even know. Probably got it right, though. Some of you later are going, I know the conjoined filter. This is the little filter, and if this filter doesn't work in your car, the whole engine will break down, which is what happened to you. And so we've put a new filter in it, now it functions. Okay, so that is a really good picture of why it is that the church is so anemic and broken down on the side of so many roads. You know that. Is it some parts of the church Some gifted members of the church have decided either that they're going to use their gift for their own glory, so everyone else thinks highly of them, or they've chosen, I'm just not going to use my gift at all. So, what should we do? Well, um, two things. Number one, I I think it's really important, especially among most people. You need to know that you, I don't know how how long you've been a Christian. Some of you haven't yet come to faith in Christ. One of the first things that will happen is the Spirit of God will gift you with a particular ability for the help of the whole. Many of you don't know what your gift is. So in the next number of weeks, we're going to be in our Friday emails and stuff, some passing, out, passing out some gift assessments and things like that that might help you along the way. They're kind of like those disc profiles a little bit. You answer some questions, and they end up saying, hey, you might be gifted in these things. And that's great. That's great. It, it's a great way to kind of learn early on what you might be gifted in. You know what's better? Trial and error. Right? Well, I'm a singer. Okay? Let's get you up here. And you start in, and we're like, you're not a singer. There you go. Right. But I tried. Well, I thought I was a singer. Do you know what? Usually I tell people, if you want to know what your gift is, I usually tell them, what makes you angry when in the church it's not done? Do you understand? When you walk into a church and you see something and it's wrong in your head, it's wrong and it just drives you crazy. What is that thing? So my wife, who's, who's gifted in hospitality, uh, my wife, when she walks in and people aren't welcoming, oh, it burns her up. She's the sweetest woman in the world, but you are gonna get a few words in the car afterwards, you know, because of that. I'm not welcoming. For me, it's honestly, I, I can't help myself that the doctrine's not spot on, baby. I am in it. I, I'm in it. I can't stand bad doctrine and bad teaching. It drives me crazy. I know people who are gifted in administration, and if they walk into a meeting and it's not or, or a planned event and it's not structured perfectly, and people like me end up saying, "I don't know, we'll figure it out," they're like, "Oh, oh, no, no, spreadsheets now, you know, inject them in my veins." What is the thing in the church that it's not done properly or well, drives you crazy? Usually, usually you found your gift. So yeah, you should, you should know your gift. Figure out what it is. Identify how you can use it to serve the church. But that's the second one, right? <laughs> use your gift. Don't you just identify it and know what it is, but use the gift that, that you have. You know, in the church over the last number of years, and by church I mean like many, many of our churches have turned to a model of ministry that can only be called attractional professional ministry. And here, here's the way it works. Look, guys, let's just admit it. Everyone in the room, are you ready to admit this? I'm the expert. Okay? I am, hey. I am the, I am the expert. I'm the one who's going to actually do all the ministry stuff. So here's what I need you to do. I need you to go and get people to come here so that I can do the ministry to them. Because I'm a professional. So your job is to attract the people. My job is to professional ministry them. Um, there's a problem with this, and most of it has to do with the fact that in Scripture, when it talks about people who are in my position, he gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Why? To equip the saints. Why? For the work of ministry the building up of the body of Christ so a church properly functioning isn't relying upon the particular gift of one person or four people or whatever and they do the ministry and the rest of you are a bunch of lemmings who figure out how you can get people so they can experience the awesomeness the best churches are ones that say no 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 my responsibility is actually to equip you to do the ministry so that we multiply all over the place people can teach people can administrate people can show hospitality you see We are, when properly functioning, more a training center than we are a movie theater. You go to the movies, you sit down, you get your popcorn, you watch the film. If it it starts to frizzle out, you pick up your popcorn, you go into the place and you get a free ticket for next time. You do not expect engagement with the movie. If someone next to you is engaging with the movie, you talk to them about that. The goal is to sit and watch. Watch what these professionals have put together. A lot of people approach church that way. But that's not what we are. We we are more training center. You know, a training center, like you go to a police training academy or something like that. You might sit in a classroom for a little while and you can bring your popcorn if you want. But everything that you're being taught, everything that's being taught to you is meant to be deployed out in the field later this afternoon. Everything is being given to you so that you can do the work. Not so that the trainer can do the work. So that you can do the work. We are, to use another image, we are more battleship than cruise ship. You go on a cruise ship, you I mean, you love the life. You sit by the pool. Garcon. Get me another free drink and all the... All the pasta at the pasta bar I want. Everything's about how you feel about it. How your pleasure is not like So people approach church that way. They're like, you know what? I don't like that the, this is that, that way. I can't see the ocean. But on a battleship, ain't nobody complaining about seeing the ocean. They're all there because they're trying to, they've been trained and now they're going to be deployed in particular areas that they have a particular skill in and they are going to be part of a greater whole so that when this baby gets into war everyone's got a part to play so that the war can be won we're more battleship than cruise ship we're more training center than movie theater last one so we're all spiritual we're all gifted for good Finally, we are all what we are because God wanted it that way. So let me just get to the end of this passage. You know, Paul, he lists all these spiritual gifts here at the end, and he doesn't really want to get into the detail of what they are. I'll give you a short little sentence and maybe an illustration for several of them, but that's not really his point. These gifts that Paul lists also are not like an exhaustive list of gifts. He's basically interacting with the gifts that were the showiest ones that the Corinthians were really excited about, and he's he's endorsing them. He's saying, "Yeah, all of the stuff that you guys are really excited about, the Spirit is using those gifts in different people for the edification of the whole." For to one is given through the Spirit, the utterance of wisdom, or the word, the word of wisdom. Um, there are questions sometimes among people about what this actually is. Um, I remember being at a, at a Christian camp and I was doing, a, I was on part of a staff and I was so frustrated with the staff. It's not, it's not harvest. Um, I was so frustrated. I walked outside and I was just crying out to God, what is going on here? And honestly, I, I, I don't hear from the Lord in, in audible ways ever, but I've got the impression of these two words I know. I know, and I was thinking to myself, "What do you mean, you know?" But then I started thinking about it, and I was like, "Oh, like you know, you under, you understand." Like I'm crying out to somebody who understands broken churches and all the mess. Yes, you know. But also, I started thinking, "Yeah, he also knows. He knows why I'm here. He knows what I'm doing. He knows." What- right. So now I've got, I've gotten a deeper understanding of a particular issue from God's point of view. Yeah, word of wisdom. Sometimes people will come up and they'll say, hey, you know what? The way we need to think about this is this. I just sense that the Spirit is saying this, word of wisdom. Uh, an utterance of knowledge is that word of knowledge. Sometimes somebody knows something about what's going on in your life, deep side, deep down inside your heart, and they shouldn't know that. But they come up to you like someone came up to my friend when his dad died. He put his hand on his shoulder and said, listen, I, I don't know you, but all this... Church service. I've been feeling I need to come up and tell you that your dad, your dad is dearly loved. He didn't know what he was talking about. Your dad is dearly loved by Jesus. My friend, whoo! He's down. How do you know that? Well, you got probably got a word of knowledge from the Lord. Speak to this man about that particular thing. But both of those are according to the same same spirit. And the spirit is using both of those things to edify the church, to another is faith. By the same. You ever met somebody who's got kind of a gifting of faith? They're like Jesus in the boat when the storm comes up and everyone's like, You're gonna die, why are you asleep? And the person who's got a gift of faith is like, Why are you guys so worried? <clears throat> <clears throat> why aren't you worried? Dude, God's got it, God's got it taken care of. Right? You just have an ability to. To believe, even in the hardest circumstances, that the Lord is going to be true to his word. Love having these people around. Faith by the same spirit to another, notice this, it's a plural, gifts of healing. By the same spirit, probably gifts of healing because, you know, uh, the spirit probably gives gifts intermittently. It's not a gift of healing so that one person has it. The Spirit will give a gift of healing to this person to heal that person. And then they'll give a gift of healing to her, that person and the gift of healing. In other words, if you, by your, by your hand, you pray for someone and they're healed, praise God, but probably don't start a healing ministry just yet. And I say this because the Apostle Paul, if you remember in the book of Acts, when he walks by people, his shadow falls on them and they get healed. So you'd think, oh, Paul, dude, you got a healing ministry here. What you should do is walk around all the sick people and let your shadow fall on everyone. But when you go to Philippians, you end up finding his buddy Epaphroditus is near dead and Paul's saying to other churches, will you please pray for him because I don't know, we don't know what to do. In other words, uh, Paul was able to heal on one occasion and then not on the other occasion. Yeah, it was probably because he was given a gift of healing at one time and not the other. To another is the working of miracles, you know, when somebody prays and amazing things happen. Elijah, bring the rain, and it does. To another prophecy, which is foretelling, yes, it's about the future. Agabus comes up to the apostle Paul and says, if you go to Jerusalem, your hands are going to be bound like this. But also forthtelling, you know, the prophetic, hey, we need to sort this out. This is what the Lord says, and this is what we're doing. We need to sort this out. Prophecy, to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits, because, you know, prophets can kind of get up themselves a little bit. You know, the Lord gave me another word for you. Give me more money. I don't know. To another, various kinds of tongues. The ability to speak other languages. Now, the the Corinthians think that these other languages are not... Are angelic, but it could include angelic languages and also known human languages. You have the ability to do that, and to another, the interpretation of tongues, which makes these tongues helpful for the community because if somebody doesn't have the interpretation of songs, they're just blathering all along. All of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one. Individually, how? As he wills. As he wills. Now you just imagine that you're a father uh, for a minute. And you you go out and you're gonna choose gifts for your kids for Christmas. And you know each one. And you go buy them their particular thing and you give it to them on Christmas morning and the kids sit there and they're like, that's amazing, but when they're, Sister opens theirs, they're like, oh, that's cool too. Oh, I like that one. Oh, not so much this. I like that one better. What do you do with your kids at that point? Give me that. You're not getting anything, right? No, that's okay. Bucknums do that, but <laughs> what do you do? You, well, you're very frustrated with them. Why? Because you chose that particular gift for them with them in mind. And the comparison of their gift to another's, they don't recognize and realize that what you've given them is a unique gift from you to them because you know what's going to ultimately make them happy, right? And ultimately going to be helpful for them in their life. Yeah, that's right. That's right. used to say, you know, you get what you get and you don't get upset. But in this case, you get what you get and you don't get upset because you know the one who's getting it for you dearly loves you and he's got a particular vision for your life and how he wants to use you in this this moment. I have what I have and I am who I am because God wants it precisely that way. Do you know how long I've struggled with like dealing with, you know, self-image and weight feeling like I'm looking mirrors and I'm like ugh self negative self-talk and these sorts of things you know the Lord gave me exactly what he gave me with the body type that he gave me I still have my hair praise god With the history that I have. It's a unique history. It's different than yours. And unique passion. Because God, he, God has a unique thing for me to do for the church. We were to finish with this. We were at a a really great time this last week, early in the week. We went to Nashville and we had some meetings with some really great church folks, it was at Long Hollow Church in Nashville, and our dear brother Vic, who was there at the time, he he showed us an image that just really stuck with my mind, and I wanted to share it with you as we finish here. He said, you know, if you think about it, uh, people, uh, sorry, that's not exactly what I wanted to do, uh, if you think about it, people are made up of, there, there are three things that are going on in their lives all at once. They have giftedness, right? Abilities, those sorts of things that we're talking about at this point. But they also have a, a story. You know how, how the Lord brought you here, what you look like, who your parents are, different than anybody else's. God's providence in your life. All the negative stuff, all the good stuff, all wrapped in together. You have a story. You have gifts and we all have passion. Yet, sometimes the passions are formed by the story, but sometimes they're just, I love music. I love sports. I love whatever. Now, where the three of those intersect, our brother Vic was saying, that is your sweet spot. And God has one for everyone. And yours isn't the same as yours. And yours isn't the same as yours, but he has taken great pains to knit together precisely who you are for precisely what you're about to do. So until enough of us embrace God's sovereignty and goodness in making us the way we are, our church will remain a bit anemic and pear-shaped. But when we delight in God's wisdom over our lives and we serve him out of that delight, there's no limit to the impact we could make for our world. To each is given a manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Let me pray. Father, bless us with a better view of ourselves and how it is that you have have been working in our lives for years forming particular things in us that you might now deploy us on the battleship to serve your church as we move forward and take ground for your kingdom so give us insight into all of these things father help us boldly understand that we are spiritual people we're not trying to earn some special recognition that Ultimately, Lord, every one of our gifts, every one of the ways that you've been working in us is ultimately equal to others. They're not for our own benefit, but for the benefit of the whole. But Lord, I pray that your church would be enabled and emboldened and equipped because every last person is working in the place where you've gifted them and we avoid pear shape. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Harvest Bible Chapel in Chicago. For more information on how to get connected to one of our campuses, go to harvestbiblechapel.org. Tune in again next week for another edition of the Harvest Bible Chapel podcast.